Welcome to Unspoken, the podcast that highlights experiences that are all too common but very rarely discussed. I am Dr. Cloda Campbell, the wellness psychologist, and I feel very passionately about speaking the unspoken to remove the taboo and shame that so often surrounds our experiences and internal worlds. For each episode of Unspoken, I am joined by someone who would like to uncover their unspoken with us in order to help themselves, but also in order to help others. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode and that you take something from it. Today's podcast is very proudly sponsored by my absolute favourite Irish skincare brand, Ella and Joe Cosmetics. With formulas that are powered by plants and backed by science, Ella and Joe are dedicated to creating high quality, luxurious skincare products that actually deliver results and that create magic moments in your day. Whether your skin is dry, dull, or just in need of a pick-me-up, the Ella and Joe range will put the joy back into your skincare routine. Find your skin confidence again by shopping Ella and Joe's beautiful products on ellaandjoe.ie using discount code UNSPOKEN for 15% off. Today, I'm joined by Sinead Hegarty, who has very bravely agreed to share her Unspoken with us. Sinead's story centres around the debilitating abdominal pain and bloating she experienced for years, feeling gaslit and dismissed by the many doctors and medical health professionals she begged for help, and the huge impact her condition has had on her relationship with her friends, her boyfriends, and even her relationship with herself. Sinead speaks so openly about something that is incredibly unspoken. You will find our conversation so inspiring and it will really highlight to you the power our mindset can have on our life, even in times of struggle. Sinead, welcome to Unspoken. Hi, how are you? I'm so thrilled to have you on Unspoken especially to talk about a topic that I know impacts so many women. I see it all the time, my therapy clinic, on Instagram, and it's something that is really challenging for women to navigate. Often it feels like they go it alone. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about your unspoken with us. No problem. It's my pleasure. And like the more awareness, the the better, I suppose, so people can stop suffering and silence and you know, finally get a diagnosis, I suppose. Yeah. Take us back to when life started to get really difficult for you because of what you were experiencing in your body. I would say like the toughest times were just after COVID, it was around 2020. I mean, I always kind of did have stomach issues and some issues, but like I never really understood it and kind of just thought it was quite normal if you know what I mean Mm. and I think it kind of started with like I I was experiencing a lot of pain most and after I don't know when it I don't know what triggered it obviously it could have been so many different things like people say like things like dengue fever or anything like that could have made it like 100 times worse and come to the surface a lot more but um yeah in the in 2020 I was suffering a lot of inflammation which felt um a lot just in my abdomen and my organs kind of felt very uncomfortable um a lot of yeah I just can't really even explain the pain it's kind of like striking pain in your abdomen um and I think that was probably the most worrying when I didn't know what it was because you're just kind of thinking like 
like could this be the worst thing that you could think of like and that's honestly what it felt like inside my body like and I was so so worried about it for so long with before I got actual diagnosed with what it was how often were you experiencing pain I mean I'm I do experience uncomfortable most days of my life like in terms of like my organs feeling really inflamed and just overall being sore um but I would say my most pain would have came around times like I was ovulating, you know, because obviously things would just get more and more inflamed around ovulation. And I noticed a lot of pain. And to be honest, I didn't have ovulation at all until like I got rid of my implant in maybe 2019. Um, and then I obviously things were really starting to be painful, like my ovulation and my periods but I was kind of one of the people that like I'm not because every case with endometriosis is so different and so individual and the reason why I didn't why I didn't think it was endo is because I wasn't suffering with severely heavy periods which is the normal thing that people have so that's kind of where why I kind of ruled it out um but to be honest, I didn't really even know what Enda was for a long, long time mm. um, and until my journey. And then I kind of, like, people were kind of saying it to me. Um, but I think, like, I had really, really strange periods in terms of, like, I would feel my period coming 10 days before. I would be in a lot a lot of pain, discomfort, a lot of breast pain. My hair would fall out. I would have a lot of hormone issues. And then, like, I knew when my period was coming because I could feel the pain 10 days before I actually got my period. And then I would get my period. And I think, like... I was living with my friend Siobhan at the time and she would just get her period. She'd just be like, oh, I got my period. And I'd be like, oh, do you not feel that common? Do you not know that it's common? And she'd be like, no, not really. Like maybe like the day before. I'm like, oh, okay. And then she's like, you should try and read this thing called the period repair manual. So I read that from Lara Bryden and noticed that my periods, everything that I was experiencing was really not normal. And there is probably something underlying happening. So that kind of like striked my interest in it and then when I was living in Bali I was living with my friends like I would have to leave the dinner table I couldn't really stare at night I was kind of suffering like a lot of fatigue a lot of um just pain on my left side having to like I wouldn't be able to wear jeans tight clothes so I just kind of used to always go home but my friends were sort of the most concerned because they were like this is not normal and I just kind of felt like this was my normal life like I just thought everyone got really really bloated in the evenings and really uncomfortable in the evenings but like it wasn't the case so then they started like we're like you need to keep pushing you need to keep pushing and then like obviously when you're googling symptoms um tiktok is magic and seems to bring up what exactly what you think what they think it is so when i was on tiktok like i come across this girl having endometriosis and then like they started to come up more and more and these symptoms were coming up and i was like god i think i could have this but never really crossed my mind until like obviously i was actually diagnosed because i went to so many different scans and then when i went to all these scans they were like no, you're fine. Your bloods are fine. And I would be like, can you feel this organ? Can you like, please touch this? And they would just be like, no, like everything's come back normal. So I was kind of stuck in a lot of everything's fine for, I don't know, a year, year and a half until I finally got diagnosed. I can't even imagine what it was like for you, Sinead. You know, so casually there, you're like, my hair was falling out. I was bloated every single evening. My friends were really concerned about me. What was it like to be in that, to be having those experiences? I think when like stuff like your hair falling out, when you're seeing physical changes right in front of you, that's sort of when I started to be like, okay, I need to figure this out. It doesn't feel right. I feel like that was my body's way of telling me, like, you need to sort this out and um so yeah when my hair started falling like that was what's obviously that's really concerning because you lose a lot of like 
you're feminineness or something like you just feel like really helpless and you have no idea what's going on so yeah I yeah like it's weird because I think like the hair falling out and the, the really painful scalp and stuff that's kind of when I started to be like okay I need to seek professional help if you know what I mean and my my periods were getting stranger and stranger as the months went on what does that um mean? it was just very um it did not look normal. It was lots of blood clots. And that was kind of like, and I think when you're used to having something like the implant or you're having a contraception, you're very confused with what a period should actually look like. And I only really got my first normal period after my surgery. But um, yeah, my periods were very strange, just blood clots, like just blood clot after blood clot. Um, and it's funny now because sometimes these, I would get these random pains that would like, nearly make me crash my car like oh I would be like what like, like that and like some people say like oh, apparently that's the blood clot trying to move or something so yeah I think that's kind of when I started to look in different directions and I, I did seek like professional and um, some I didn't go to the doctors at first I went to like people that were helping with hormone balances like um naturopaths um I actually went to my first naturopath and they were like, well, how often do you go to the toilet? And I was like, oh, uh, maybe like once a week or twice a week. And they were like, don't come back to me until you're um, passing and like try to drink only fluids. And I was just really confused. I was just like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to have normal bowel movements. Like, I don't know what. So that was kind of like my first, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go back there. And then I went to someone else and they gave me herbs and then my hormones started to feel better. You know, I stopped having the scalp pain my hair started to come back a bit and then that sort of made me feel like I was all right for a little bit. I thought it was like a hormone imbalance, if you know what I mean, or something to do with like, yeah. And then obviously when they're trying to fix your period and make your period normal and your period still doesn't become normal, that's when they start to suggest things like endometriosis. Mm. So yeah, that was before I went to like actual doctors, I would say. When you said earlier, I was really fearful. I didn't know what was going on and my body was telling me something was wrong. Where did your mind go? in those moments what were the scary thoughts that were coming um like you, you automatically just go to like cancer don't you? you think like those things especially when you're feeling things inside your body like you're feeling like your organs like popping out of your body like that's what I, the kind of sensations that I was sort of getting um so yeah and then like obviously when you have scans and they come back normal then you're like okay maybe I'm okay and maybe I'm, I'm making it up or maybe my maybe I'm just fine and this is just like normal behavior um, so there was a lot of back and forward of, of that for a while. So then you're wondering, God, am I making this up? What's happening? And you're going for scans, you're going to the doctor, you're going to, uh, for alternative medicine appointments and people aren't finding anything. That must've been a really challenging experience. It must've felt very lonely for you navigating that. Yeah, and I think with things like endometriosis, like the the average time to get diagnosed from the last time I read was like something like nine years. Um, so I think there was one point in the doctors, I was literally like crying and I was like, my hair is falling out. I can't, like, I'm so tired. I have absolutely no energy. Can someone please help me? And they just, it's nothing, like no reaction. I actually didn't get anything from them to be honest they just kind of sent me away again oh my god that must have yeah. felt so disheartening to leave none the wiser when you're literally begging for help 
Yeah. But sure, you think then, oh, making it up or like, this is normal or this is just like what happens. I just, you just kind of, you're just being gaslit, to be honest. You know what I mean? You're, people are not believing your pain, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And I'm finding that a lot with some of the girls in endometriosis. Like they just felt like no one was believing them. So they just kind of didn't believe it themselves then. It's so shocking, isn't it? That in the now when we are so advanced in so many ways, women are being so let down by the system. It's really, really sad. It must have been really hard to keep going, Sinead, when people were just sitting there and you weren't receiving the support that you were so desperately seeking. When did people start to believe you? When did you feel like you finally were being heard? So I... It was it was my friends that were really concerned because obviously they're they're watching me they're watching me with my, like I would put my hand on my trousers like I would just be holding my side a lot and like I think they were kind of really taken back by it and they were kind of like you need to keep pushing so I I actually just went for an ultrasound and the ultrasound came back normal and then the girls were like why don't you try this uh, reproductive full scan. I don't think they do this in the UK or anything like that, but in, I was living in Bali at the time and they have these in the hospital, they have these scans and um, basically like you go for a full reproductive scan, you can go for a full brain scan, you can go do a full body. Yeah. So I went for the full reproductive scan, which was, um, they did a scan of my breast, they did a uh, ultra scan of my stomach and my, you know, my abdomen, et cetera. And then they give me a smear. And they took my bloods. So the smear came back up normal and they took me back in and they gave me a transvaginal ultrasound, um, which is not something that is usually used to diagnose endometriosis. But when I went in, it was a woman who who personally um, deals with things like endometriosis and endometriosis because I feel like this wouldn't have been picked up because I have had one of these scans pr- very recently in Ireland, uh, well, Northern Ireland, and they didn't pick up on it. So this per- this woman personally, obviously, is someone who deals with endometriosis and endometriosis. And when I was in there, I had my internal scan and she just showed me right there. She just showed me on the screen. She goes, oh, this is um, endometriosis. And at the time, I didn't know what endometriosis is. All I heard was endometriosis. Mm. You know, the language bar was kind of there. But I was like, endometriosis, she was kind of like, it's like a sister of endometriosis. So I was like, okay. And like at that moment, I just burst into tears because I was just like, Although it's not good, it's so nice to be heard and so nice to know that there is something that I can do about it. Not that I could do anything about it because it's not really like it's kind of it's a chronic illness, but like it was something to like go from from there. Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of felt like finally, finally relieved. I just burst out here and uh, crying in the middle of this doctor's office, being like, you know, trying to ask questions. We also had a bit of a language barrier, so it was really hard to understand. Um, and even when I got my results they were kind of in a different language so it was a bit like all over the place um so obviously I went home and I had my diagnosis I had my ultrasound and they were able to just literally pointed it out to me and they wouldn't be able to get endo like this they they could only get a dendromyosis um so like my endo would have never been found if only if I found they find my dendromyosis which is the sister of endometriosis what is a dendromyosis uh, yeah. it's basically like endometriosis but inside the lining of the womb so like you cannot go in there and get it out like you can endometriosis it is literally in the lining of your womb your womb is 
a lot of women's womb, I think mine's is like eight millimeters bigger than a normal womb because it's there's so much compact into the lining of the womb. And that's where the endometriosis, uh, the endometriosis glands form in that lining of the womb. It causes a lot of pressure. Symptoms would be a lot of pressure, needing to pee a lot, like having like, it just feels like your your womb is extra, extra large. It's kind of pushing out a lot of the time, especially onto the bladder. Um, yeah, and then also like just irregular bleeding, uh, you know, blood clots because there's just like old blood getting stuck, et cetera. Um, has very similar symptoms to endometriosis as well, you know, just all the bloating, et cetera. So even, yeah, so that was it. Like I got diagnosed in, in ballet of all places and I went home that night and I googled adenomyosis and the first thing that came up was the only cure for adenomyosis is hysterectomy it was literally the first thing that I seen and that's the only thing it says on on google like the first thing and I was just like and I had the worst evening I obviously just like shut down my Instagram I deleted my app I was just like crying like to my partner at the time like just crying because all you can think about is like I can't give my partner a baby like I can't give my partner a baby like it's just like this overwhelming fear and also like I went into the chat rooms like you know like people's like support groups which is the worst decision that I could ever have done and I think it's the worst place you could be because everyone is so individual you know what I mean and it's it is a very very um individual disease but um yeah that was the that was the first thing that I got diagnosed with and I didn't actually do anything about it there and then um as in I was going home uh, like a month later. So I was like, I will get treated at home rather than here. Not that you can really get treated for it, to be honest. But yeah, that was, yeah, that's where I first got diagnosed with adenomyosis. Oh my God, to go home and to read that on Google. I know everybody always says, don't go on to Dr. Google, but obviously it's the natural thing. We're all, we just want to know it's going to be okay. So then for you to be met with that, I can't even imagine what that was like. Yeah, I think like when I spoke about all my story, when I finally did come on and tell people, I got a lot of support. I got a lot of messages from people that really, really helped my mental health. Like, you know, people were like, Sinead, I have it. I've had babies. I've had like so many success stories that just, you know, filled me with positive positivity. And, you know, I was speaking to like um, Maria, who's the hormone health coach on Instagram. And she was like, Sinead, I have so many women that have this. They're all able and capable. Like they've been able to get pregnant. You can manage your pain. You just need to know the right things to do to manage your pain. So that's kind of what made me, first of all, feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also made me feel better as well, like about my body image and the way I was feeling about myself. Like I was having a really rough time with my body image at that time because you know, every time I went to the gym or like I was wearing shorts, I could just see this big bubble like down below me. And I was so confused of like, is this fat? Is this, I couldn't, I was just like, you just feel so not in your own skin, you know what I mean? So, and it was just getting worse because I didn't know how to treat it. And there's things that make it worse. Um, especially things like, you know, they, I, I was there dealing with like, being anemic because then people were testing me and I had low iron and then they were giving me iron supplements and the iron supplements is obviously really hard to pass and this is making a lot of things worse and it was just like getting a bit out of control at the time so it's nice to it was nice to get a lot of information on it and try to help from there at that point so I kind of just went on a bit of a journey for the month before um I actually went home before I got diagnosed with endometriosis. So with the diagnosis that you received in Bali how did that 
impact your relationship with your body then so you said you were really struggling in that you were looking at yourself perhaps criticizing yourself because of the bloating I think it was honestly one of the best things I even did the first thing I did was to like the first post I did about it was about how I felt about my body because I was really struggling with how my body was feeling how my body was looking because of like I, how I, I just I, did, I, could, I couldn't I honestly didn't know what was going on but then when I found that out and like you know my womb is extra large like I'm have I'm dealing with a lot my body's literally fighting with itself every single day and my body is trying to survive so like I had this massive amount of compassion for myself and my body and also to have this reason behind how you're feeling you know sometimes you can feel like you know even sometimes when I'm showing breath work to people and like I have to show my stomach like sometimes I'll just mention to them that like I have a disease called adenomyosis so my stomach does stick out a little bit more than everyone else but um yeah and yeah definitely honestly is. I needed that diagnosis because I was driving myself insane about what was going on. Um, and it really did help me have so much more compassion for my body. And it helped me not focus on my body as, as you know, my identity. I kind of, fo- I, you know, because, you know, there is part of me that had my body as my identity when I was younger because I was doing a lot of fitness and I was doing a lot of things. Um, you know, I was, you know, a fitness influencer and I did like think that I had to identify with my body. So you do have that little identity crisis that like, if I don't have my body, then, you know, what do I have? But then that's kind of when I started to look inner for my own self-love and have loads of compassion for myself and realize that, um, you know, I'm not on this earth to like have this body. I'm on this earth to share and my own experiences and help other people. And I feel like I do feel like I was, you know, given this, disease in order to help other people have a diagnosis and you know feel better like the way I felt better when I got diagnosed there is obviously a lot of people that tell me they've been diagnosed since me talking about it so it does really help with everything else I suppose I see it all the time we attach so much of our self-worth on our physical appearance on our external appearance don't we It's something I think that we're culturally conditioned to do, but I work on it with so many clients. Um, And as you say, so much of our identity is is attached to that. So yeah, it sounds like finally being heard, receiving your diagnosis and understanding what was happening for you really changed things. So you mentioned you stayed in Bali for a month and then you went home and underwent surgery underwent treatment in Ireland yeah I actually went to the mid-ulster women's clinic which was um recommended I put up a question box on Instagram and people recommended them I went to see Dr. Jacqueline Quinn and he did his first internal scan and he said I don't need to know anymore like as soon as he put like the internal scan obviously up me and when you're flinching and you're jumping back from pain he was like that's all I need to know um, in terms of if you've already been diagnosed with adenomyosis, it's 90% chance that you have endometriosis as well. So I think having the adenomyosis probably was um, pitting me on that list for the surgery quicker than anyone else. Not anyone else, but quicker than because they kind of, it's kind of like they know why sometimes you go in there with symptoms and you don't have an endomyosis. The only way they can finally know is if they do surgery. And obviously surgery is so invasive, especially if you go in there and you can't find anything. So it obviously is, and it's also very expensive. Like the, the surgery is very expensive. Um, so yeah, I think he knew he was going to find endometriosis. So it was kind of like from then on, I think within the five or six weeks, 
they were giving me dates to have surgery, to have the laparoscopy then. I've obviously never been knocked out before as well. So I was obviously very nervous, but everything was totally fine. So if you're someone that's going for it, like I, like you don't really, um, it was mad because when I came out of it, I was like, oh, this pain doesn't even feel as bad as the end of pain that I was having before. But um, yeah, so they went in, they found endometri- stage three endometriosis. Um, it was, yeah, and I kind of knew because it was only meant to be half an hour, an hour. And I remember like waking up and looking at the clock and it was like four or five hours later. And I was like, oh God, okay. And then he came in and showed me all the pictures of like it all around, all the places it was around, like under my water pipes, they had to lift a few organs, get get it all out from out there. And um, a lot of my lower like pelvic region and just, yeah, just everywhere. So it was, it was everywhere. Then after that, then I just had to recover. The recovery wasn't too bad. Like I feel like, I was on my feet for a week. The first few days were a bit, um, couldn't really walk, obviously, because you've just been poked. <laughs> but yeah, like after that, I felt a lot better. I felt, um, there's different types of pains that I receive and there's certain pains that I just never, um, wouldn't say I never got back, but less of it. I mean, there's no cure, but there's definitely a way to manage it for sure. So what are the things that you are doing to manage it or that you have been doing since the surgery to manage it? I think like, honestly, the best thing is like your, when your body's under stress, you know, I had to stop certain things like CrossFit and stuff. And then I stopped, um, oh no, like meditating and yoga, which sometimes I always see the positive of it. I'm like, without having the diagnosis, I probably wouldn't do it every single day. So I get to have the benefits of having meditation and the benefits of meditation for the rest of my life, because I know things like meditation and yoga are so amazing for me. And I feel so much better when I meditate and do yoga. I even did like, you know, I've done obviously um, training courses and full courses where I meditate for long periods of time. And when I do those full, like three weeks, four weeks of doing those intently, I will get a lot of pain for a very, very long time. And when I'm in the hustle bustle of life, which I'm in now, a little bit more stressed, don't have time to do yoga, meditation, have to do work, et cetera, et cetera. I do feel a lot more pain and a lot more stress on my body, but I do know that I can have, I do have those tools and I do know when I'm in my my higher self that those tools 100% help me. And I, I, I can't explain it. Like sometimes even after a yoga class and I'm going in with pain, I will come out with no pain. It's, it's bizarre, but it's, it, it definitely, definitely works. And working with a naturopath, figuring out my hormones like um there has been a lot of research now and um, that has come out that the gut bacteria is very much linked to um the well adding endometriosis into your body or whatever and um, so and then I'm even with my naturopath like we're seeing a mass she's seen a massive pattern in bacteria in the gut with endometriosis so now we're working on that at the moment. Um, they found a lot of bacteria in my gut, a lot of things. So I'm kind of on a process of that now. I've probably got a long time to go to get into like where I want to be. But uh, yeah, all these things really, really do help. Like your, the herbs, like the proper supplements, you know, you learn all these things like turmeric and chamomile and all these things. But and obviously you have to have different diets, gluten free, dairy free. It's very difficult, though, but um yeah it's hard it sounds it sounds exhausting you know all of the things that you have to do and to consider to help manage your pain 
Yeah, I think as well, like like having people around you that understand and are like, you know, if I'm feeling sore and painful, like I'll just go home and I'll put on my sweats like and I'm happy with that. Like I feel like I've just kind of went into a different era of my life where I'm kind of really accepting it. And I think like I can do one or two things. I can sit and complain and be like, why me? Or I can just accept it and do the best that I can and help people as well. Like try to spread awareness as much as I can. I think like I just try to see the positive. I've always been that kind of person. I've always tried to see the positive in every situation. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, I got it because I need to help other people understand that they have it. And I just kind of, I just kind of go down that like and, and kind of add a new meaning to it. Because I just think when I wallow in it, it's just, it's just not good. And like I prepare myself, you know, like I know that if I'm going to, like, you know, I was going to a wedding the other day and I had two dresses, one for flared, one for not flared. Like I'm prepared, like I'm on the ball. I'm kind of just accepting it and understanding that is part of me now. And, you know, there's so much more research going into it at the minute because there's so much more awareness. And that's why it's so good to talk about it on podcasts like this, because they are doing something about it. It's very slow and it should be a lot better considering one in nine women have it and it is causing excruciating pain. And I think I am very blessed because I am, I know women that are in this excruciating pain who cannot leave the house. There's only a very few times that I can't leave the house. And I know some girls who maybe have to take full weeks off because they physically and mentally cannot get up from the floor. It is crazy. So I'm so lucky. That's why they're all so individual. Like mine is more uncomfort, um, inflammation, you know, a lot of constipation, um, stuff like that. So I do feel like, you know, everyone is very individual, but this needs to be brought to the table and girls need to be heard and they need to be seen, especially with some of the girls who are in severely, severely um, excruciating pain as well. I'm really in awe of how you are using your mindset to support you and to support your pain and your perspective on things, which isn't easy to do. I'm wondering, though, are there parts of your life now that are still difficult or are there moments where you just you know wish things weren't the way they were I think like I'll I'll never be like that I'm never that person I always feel like everything was given to me for a reason um but obviously like there is a lot of concerns like I'm sure that like people are always concerned about their fertility and I also you know your relationship is also affected so in terms of like fertility obviously the first thing you read is like you need to have a hysterectomy and like women you go on those chat rooms and everyone's getting hysterectomies and they're like finally my pain's gone etc etc um and then you know it, it does affect your fertility like I have a feeling in my heart that I will be a mom one day um although I feel like I've had to quicken up the process if you know what I mean so prior to you know when I was single you know my dating was I want to have a child within the next few years and like I'm not saying it's anytime soon but like it's something that I had to bring up in conversation when I was dating because it wasn't something that I was um taking lightly I knew that it's not even that there's two different options of like I just don't want to lose my chance I want to give it the best chance that I can so I would like to do it like not anytime soon, but like, as in like, I, I want to make sure that this person's on board with me mm. or else like, please remove yourself. Cause I will do it on my, on my own. And I have no problem doing that. So that's kind of like where it affected like my dating life and stuff like that. And, you know, most men will just tell you what you want to hear. They're like, yeah, no bother. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, yeah, I got ahead. But um, yeah, that did really affect like, you know, being single and dating, et cetera. And like, it's something that I brought up 
like right at the get-go and you know my partner was kind of um he was on board with how I was he he understood how much I want to be a mom and he is going to support that whenever I'm ready so I think like that obviously there's amazing success stories like people send me messages all the time so I am full of positivity about this but I'm also just going to surrender to what is is for me and just when it comes I'm going to deal with it when it comes but um I definitely feel like I fast attracted a little bit like my plans in life um I'm only 31 now but at the same time like I just I just feel like I want to give myself the best chance I can um so I, I like originally I would have been like 35 36 like thinking about it then but I feel like I've just kind of you know, I'm going to bring it up a bit forward. I'm going to, well, if I convince, I can convince Sam, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's mostly, he's mostly on board. He's just like, whatever, like he just wants me to be happy. So he's, he's totally fine with everything. Well, we do joke about it a lot. Like, and he's like, whoa, and I'm so crazy about babies, but he's, um, he's fine. But yeah, it's, a, it's an important conversation to have. And I feel like uh, there's so much success, success stories out there. And I feel like I'm just going to, I'm going to deal with that when it comes. And then also it does affect my relationship in so many ways. Like when I'm uncomfortable, I am uncomfortable and that does not lead to feeling sexy or feeling hot, you know? So there is like certain things that I have to do. And I remember being in my last relationship and I remember feeling such guilt, like just guilt that I couldn't be the girlfriend that I used to be. And like, I remember thinking to myself, like if I ever break up with this person, I actually don't want to get in another relationship for a very long time because the feeling of guilt of not being able to be like a normal girlfriend was eating me up inside. So yeah, there's things that we have to do differently. Like for me, I'm mostly uncomfortable in the evening most of the time. So we just, you know, change our intimacy to the morning when I'm feeling a bit more refreshed. And yeah, we I, like, and like the thing is, they're very, men are very, like my boyfriend's very mindful. He always asks me if I'm okay. And he doesn't like put anything on me. Like I kind of tell him when I'm okay. And then like, that's kind of just supportive and communication. And we do talk about it in our like week, like we do like weekly relationship reviews you know, I'll talk about how I'm feeling per week and et cetera. And he talks about his. And I just think like communication is the absolute key and a supportive partner. And also, you know, that guilt that you feel is not not always what's the real picture because if you put the shoe in all their foot, you would support them in any way if they were going through a chronic illness as well. But yeah, I just want people to know that it's so manageable. And even if you've just firstly been diagnosed or you feel like you're going to get diagnosed in, like, once you find out and you get all the information, like it is, it is really manageable, but it's, it's still shit. Like, and sometimes I do feel like angry, you know, like sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so annoying. And like, but then I just, I have to quickly get out of that. I'll just journal on it straight away. I'll just journal and be like, think of everything else that goes on in my life. And I always like think of, you know, some people who go through so much and like, I'm so blessed. Like every day when I put my feet on the floor, I'm like, I feel like I am blessed that I can put my feet on the floor and I have energy, you know, like I feel like that having that energy, yeah, I might have a very uncomfortable stomach, but like, there's so much I, what I, there's so much I can do with my day. And also like, I'm getting so used to having like, having that stomach and having that, like, I'm so having so much compassion for it. Like I always like meditate and hold my stomach and like, you know, give it love. And like, I just feel like I have so much more compassion for my body than I ever did. And I just think, you know, it's just all about mindset. It's just a little challenge in life that like someone threw at me, but I can manage it. I think. I, it's really inspiring. It's really inspiring that you can manage to 
turn to gratitude to support you in that and to turn to self-compassion when you need it. These are all the practices that, you know, I use in my therapy room and that have been found time and again to to support us when we need the most. But it can be really hard to actually turn to the practices when things are really hard. But they work and it sounds like they're really working for you too. Yeah. And there's light. I know like when you first get diagnosed, there's, it can be really intense when you read all the things, but hopefully if someone's listening to this and they've been diagnosed, that there is light in it all. Sinead spoke today about offering herself compassion in times of need. And today that is the gift I will share with you too. To begin, allow your body to fall into the natural rhythm of your breath. Sink into the surface supporting you, holding you and connecting you to Mother Earth. This is your time. All of the worries and thoughts that are circling in your mind can wait. For it is time now to offer yourself love and compassion. Take a deep breath in through your nose and slowly release it through your mouth. Allow yourself to sit in the natural rhythm that your breathing falls into as you tune into your breath. Take another slow and steady breath in and release. Breathing out all of the stress, all of the tension, and all of your concerns. There is nothing for you to do in this moment except breathe. This is your time to pause in stillness and to nurture yourself amidst the busyness of the outer world. Being here in this moment is exactly where you are meant to be. So breathe. I invite you now to picture someone who is very special to you. Someone towards whom you feel so much love. Notice how this love feels in your heart. Notice the sensations around your heart. Perhaps you feel a sensation of warmth, openness, tenderness. Pay attention to however your body is responding as you think about this person. Continue breathing and focus on the feelings and sensations you experience as you visualize your loved one. As you breathe out, imagine that you are extending a golden light that holds your warm feelings for this person from the center of your heart. 
Imagine that the golden light reaches out to your loved one, enveloping them in your love and bringing them peace and happiness. As you imagine this, silently repeat the following words after me. May you have happiness. May you be free from suffering. May you experience joy and ease. May you have happiness. May you be free from suffering. May you experience joy and ease. I invite you now to think of a time when this person who was so special to you was suffering. Perhaps they experienced an illness, a disappointment or a difficult time in their life. Notice how you feel when you think of their suffering. How does your heart feel? Do the sensations change? Do you continue to feel warmth, openness and tenderness? Have any other sensations arrived? Continue to visualize your loved one as you breathe. Imagine that you are extending the golden light from your heart to them and that the golden light is easing their suffering. Extend this light out to them during your exhalation with the strong heartfelt wish that they be free from their suffering. As you imagine this, silently repeat the following words after me. May you be free from this suffering. May you have joy and happiness. May you be free from this suffering. May you have joy and happiness. I invite you now to connect with something that has been weighing you down recently. Consider all of the pieces of this exhausting puzzle. Notice them. Observe them. Pay attention to the shapes and space they fill. Feel your way into the situation that has been going on for you. Feel too how it has left you feeling. 
thoughts arrive for you as you contemplate this? Have any sensations appeared in your body? This moment of struggle, of suffering, this is difficult. This has been a lot for you to bear, a lot for you to carry. No wonder your shoulders have been feeling heavy and you have been feeling oh so tired. Place your hands on your body to offer yourself comfort. Feel their warmth, their touch, their soothing weight. And as you pause in this gentle moment, consider your humanness. The fact that we all as humans struggle. The fact that we all as humans have down days and hard days, down weeks and hard weeks. And as you pause here in this beautiful space you have created for yourself, spend a moment offering yourself some grace and compassion for all you have been carrying for all you have been trying so bravely to bear. As you pause here in this way, imagine a golden light emanating from your heart and enveloping you to ease your suffering. With each exhalation, feel the light within you and the strong, heartfelt wish you are offering yourself to be free from your suffering. As you sit in this golden light that is enveloping you, silently repeat the following words after me. May I be free from this suffering. May I have joy and happiness. May I be free from this suffering. May I have joy and happiness. As you sit in this beautiful light, spend a moment here offering yourself love, kindness and a gentle and accepting compassion. Consider in this moment, in this stillness, in this space, what it is that you need to support you today. 
What do you need to lighten the burden you are experiencing? Spend a moment too considering how you can offer this to yourself. What gift can you bring with you from this stillness? Take as long as you need with this today, with offering yourself this compassion, with considering your needs, and with contemplating what gift you can give yourself today to support you with everything you have been going through. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to Unspoken with me, Dr. Clodagh Campbell, the wellness psychologist. Be sure to like, subscribe and follow me at The Wellness Psychologist on Instagram if you would like to hear more. If you identified with this topic, make sure to check out the show notes where I have listed related resources for you. I hope you find them beneficial. Today's podcast is very proudly sponsored by my absolute favourite Irish skincare brand, Ella and Joe Cosmetics. With formulas that are powered by plants and backed by science, Ella and Joe are dedicated to creating high quality, luxurious skincare products that actually deliver results and that create magic moments in your day. Whether your skin is dry, dull, or just in need of a pick me up, the Ella and Joe range will put the joy back into your skincare routine. Find your skin confidence again by shopping Ella and Joe's beautiful products on ellaandjoe.ie using discount code UNSPOKEN for 15% off.